All right. Thank you, kids. One of the things that I was talking to my boys about earlier tonight is I guess tonight is the night that Elfie goes back to the North Pole. So one of the fun things in that is just the reality that although Elfie goes back, tonight's also the night, obviously, that we celebrate that Jesus came, that he came for us. And the theme of our service tonight is the peace of Jesus, the promised peace. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to pull them out to John chapter 14. And in verse 27, it reads like this. Jesus is talking, and he says this to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And, and I got thinking this week about what is the peace that Jesus leaves with us, but then also what is the peace that the world offers us? I don't know about you guys, all the different sorts of things that the world is offering us, especially just during this season. And I started writing some of them down. And I even think that many of us might be in the same boat that, that we're all in this evening, which is overwhelmed with the kind of the peace of the world. I wrote this down. Maybe you're overscheduled, overstimulated, overstressed. Does that sound familiar? Is that what Christmas sounds like? Maybe you're overserved, overeating, overbuying, overdressed, overclean, overworked, or how many people are overcharged? Anybody? It's, it feels like that's the holidays. That's the peace of the world. It's over, just more, bigger, better, over, over, over. And all of our peace promising overs, I think, ultimately just lead us to be broke, exhausted, stressed, alienated, and sad. But I want to invite you guys this evening to take a moment to stop and then think about the big news. Because the big news is not something over. The big news is actually something under. I actually believe that Jesus came to be under. He came in all humility. I think Jesus is our big under. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but he is understated, underhyped, under the radar, underappreciated. He's our daily bread. He's like a cold cup of water on a hot day. He's like the one that we need when we don't understand. He's like loving your neighbor, caring for the least of these. The my peace that Jesus says I give to you is not this over-exaltation celebration. It's very under. And I want us this evening to be still, to take a minute and to think about, and hopefully that we could understand the peace that Jesus wants to give us tonight is just his presence. Just the fact that he's here, that we can come and that we can adore him. But the reality is this, for many of us, Jesus has been chasing us all around town to this moment right now, right here, where we can be still and hopefully hear his voice. So here's my ask of you tonight. Something I'm going to ask you tonight, that you would take a minute and try the under for the next 20 minutes. Father God, we come before you and we ask you to prepare our hearts as we open your word, that we would begin to understand that you, Jesus, came to the under not just as the underdog, but you came underappreciated in an underwhelming sort of a way. You came in a way that none of us would have predicted, that none of us would have done if it was our decision. Lord, tonight we want to marvel, ponder at what it meant for the reality that you came as a baby. Not how anyone expected, not in a chariot of fire or in a tank that was going to take over the world, but you came with no pomp and circumstance, like a baby in the middle of the night, that no one was looking for, that no one would have dreamed of. I love that song because it highlights for me what Christmas is really all about. It's about the humility of Christmas. And humility simply means this. It means not thinking more highly of yourself than you should, understanding our simple, lowly nature. 
It was a couple weeks ago that I was sitting in Austin and I was at this conference with some other pastors and there was another pastor that was with me and we came together and we shared who we were and, and they looked at this gentleman who was a little older, he had plenty of gray hair and they said, oh, so, so Drew, you must be the associate. And I kind of looked at him and I said, excuse me, I'm the senior pastor. And they gave me this look like, well, no, you're, you're too young. You're with him. And there was this sense of like, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but he didn't recognize me for who I was. Has that ever happened to you guys? You're walking around and you're like, don't you know who I am? I'm special. But Jesus didn't come that way, did he? He didn't come with this sense of look at me, recognize me. He comes in the quiet of a night, born of a virgin with, with no pomp and circumstance. And then he comes and he comes as a humble man. The verse is really my favorite Christmas verse is actually in Philippians. It's not the birth account in Luke or in Matthew. It's when Paul describes the miracle of Jesus. And he says it this way. He says about Jesus, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of man. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, part of this, my favorite verse, is because it highlights the meaning of Christmas. That Christmas is about the humility of God Almighty, who came to be like us. Emmanuel, to come and to be with us. But humility for God is a lot different than humility for you and me. Because when we're humble, we're supposed to recognize that we're not perfect, that we don't have our lives put together, that we don't have all the answers. How many of you guys recognize the fact that, that you should be humble? You guys recognize that? Have you talked to your spouse lately? Or your children? Did you fight with them today just trying to get to church? I've repented seven times between the time we tried to leave for church and the time we got here. See, there's all sorts of reasons why Drew should be humble. Number one, he's Drew. But for God, what are the reasons that God should be humble? What is it about God? In fact, the humility of God is so different than the humility of you and me because we have countless ways that we overestimate our value. But God can't overestimate his own. See, the humility of Jesus is not in the fact that he thought less of himself. It's the fact that he took on your and my junk. That's the humility of Jesus. It's not that he became less God when he became man, but that he actually took on humanity. And it's these kind of phrases that he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant and that he was obedient to God the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's the humility of God that he would become one of us and that he would save us the only way possible, which was by sending his son. It's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, would have everlasting life. This is the miracle of Christmas. Jesus was so submissive that he lived out the Father's plan. And the Son of Man, the Son of God, came not to be served because he didn't need anything from us. Jesus had everything he ever needed. He was God. He didn't need anything. He didn't need recognition like I did in Austin. He didn't need more money or more power or more fame. He was God. But the Son of Man, because he was so full in and of himself that he was able to come, Mark says this, to serve. He didn't come to say, recognize me. He came to serve so that we would recognize how amazing his love is and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' love for us is seen in the fact that he serves us. Not because we're worthy, 
Not because we deserve it. Not because we're recognizable, but because he cares for us. Jesus takes that, that lowliness and that Christmas message of humility. And in the book of Matthew, he says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was able to talk to someone in between services just tonight. We were talking about what is it that you want most for Christmas? And the gal just said, for it to be done. I need to rest. I need to be done. I need to have the in-laws leave. I need to have my family back normal. I need to have life calm down. I don't know what it is for you and for me, but there's always something. A broken relationship, a a broken opportunity, a, a missed opportunity, a fragmented family life, all sorts of things, that there's chaos in our circumstances that we can't control. And Jesus came into the midst of all that junk. He came so that he can know that junk. He came so that he could experience it, so that when we talk to God, we don't talk to God as if he's this far off, distant being, but God knows. On some level, God knows what it's like to be in traffic. He knows what it's like to be frustrated with people around you. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. The difference between me and God, though, is that he didn't sin. He didn't sin in those moments of being man. He didn't sin in those fleshly moments that that you and I have. He conquered that. He came to serve us that we might know that. It was actually his lowliness that makes him relatable to us and makes the relief of our burdens possible. And this is what I mean. When Jesus comes in Matthew here, he makes an offer. He makes an offer of a gift, of an exchange. He says, whatever it is that you're fighting, whatever it is that you're wrestling with, that custody battle, that job, all of those things, the plan that hasn't worked out, I want to take all of those and I want to give you my yoke. I want to give you my life, which is easy. My burden is light and I want to take on yours. Jesus became man and he lived the perfect life that I didn't that I failed, that we failed together, but he took that on so that we might then take his life and be lifted up and exalted is what the Bible tells us. The the verse goes on in Hebrews and it says this, since therefore children share in the flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, he likewise partook of those same things. He knows those temptations. He knows those trials and that through his death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. He not only comes to destroy the devil, but to deliver all of those who through fear of, who, through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Because here's the reality. We all have stuff that we're trying to attain. We all have stuff that we think, gifts under the tree that we hope will make us happy, that we hope will actually satisfy and complete us. But they're all just a lie. I'm not against gift under the tree. I'm not against celebration. I'm not against fun and joy. I just believe the most joy is in understanding the greatest gift that God's given us is ultimately relationship with him. So Jesus came to give us that. Jesus came to show us what it's like to trust the father, to submit to God, to take a lowly place, to take our place so that we might be able to have life with him. That's the message of Christmas. That's the good news that God did what the law and my flesh could not do. And by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for my sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That's what I deserve. 
I deserve that condemnation. I deserve being separated. But God gave me a gift. He took my place. He lived the life that I couldn't live. And he died the death that I should have died so that I might have his life. See, we believe that the best gift is simply never going to be found under a tree. But the best gift of Christmas is not just under a tree. It's the fact that we have an empty tree, that Jesus hung on a tree, and that he died for you and me so that we might have life and be set free. That is the miracle of Christmas, amen? That's why we sing things like joy to the world. That's why we understand that no matter what is going on in our circumstances, that we can have peace. That we can have peace because we believe that the reason the Son of God appeared to us was to destroy the works of the devil. We look at Santa's list and we wrestle. And again, Kyle's not the only one that deserves to be on the naughty list. My kids were very clear with me when I was sitting this afternoon. Dad, Elfie can see you. And I said, you know, it's not about the fact that Elfie can see me. It's that, that God can. That God can see my sin. He can see my destruction. He can see the way that I ruined my own life. But God is so good. See, we believe as we look at, at Santa's list that when Jesus stood on the cross that he finished that for us all. That we can't even open list the way that we're supposed to. <laughs> but God takes our junk. He takes our rubbish. He lived a life, and when he stood on the cross, breathing his last breath and said it is finished, he took that naughty or nice list, and he annihilated it. He said, all of your stuff, I'm paying for. That is the exchange of Christmas. That is the best gift that Santa's list where we get what we deserve, we get what Christ deserved, which is relationship with God. He restored that. He brought that back so that you and I might have life and might have it abundantly. This is why we have joy to the world. Christmas is the ultimate invitation to having that relationship with God, to recognize that God came near to us so that we can draw near to him. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came as a man, to live the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And it's in Christmas, the invitation, where Jesus draws near to us, and he says, come, draw near to me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let's trade. Stop doing this life on your own. And as you come, and as you worship him, and as we adore him, and as we look at him, may it not be for a Christmas service. May it not be for a season, but may it be for a relationship with him. May it be for the reality, the fact that when Jesus declared it is finished, it actually began for us, our relationship with him. Would you stand with me as I read from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6? In Isaiah 9, verse 6, the prophet Isaiah is writing. It's one of the most famous Christmas verses you've ever heard. And it's a verse where the prophet Isaiah is writing to a people of God who have been in turmoil, who are frustrated, who don't know what's going on in their life. And on a many levels, that might be us tonight. We might not know what's going on. We might be frustrated. We might have a gap between the present state of our life and the desired state of our life. But Isaiah writes to us and he says this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This evening my hope for you is simply this, that you would experience peace. That you would experience the peace in the midst of the chaos. That you would recognize that Jesus is for you. He came 
to be like you so that you could be like him. I think it's appropriate for us to ask the question, Jesus, what kind of peace do you offer us tonight? What kind of peace? Is it a million bucks peace? Is it a piece of pie? Is it a piece of cake? No, it's a peace that Jesus said there's going to be lots of troubles and trials in this world. You experience any of those, church? Things that don't go the way that you want? Gifts that are like white elephant gifts you'd like to return? Keep trying to trade my golf swing back. It hasn't worked yet. Guys, Jesus never promises a perfect life. In fact, if you read the scripture, it's in John 16, 33. He says, your life will be full of trials and temptations and tribulations. Jesus didn't come to take the trials away. He came to be with you in the midst of them. He came so that you can overcome them. This is what Christmas is all about, that God loves us so much that he sent his son to live with us, to be like us, to show us how to live and ultimately to die for us. This cross that we have every Sunday at Vintage Grace, you can see the knots in it. It's from our very first Christmas tree as a church. It was from Christmas Eve two years ago. Maybe you remember it. It's this Christmas tree that's been converted to the cross because that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the fact that he came. He who knew no sin became sin for you and me so that when we have trials, so that when we have temptations, so that in our humble circumstances, in our chaos, in our violence, our hatred, our cancer, unemployment, our damaged relationships, he comes to the mess and he redeems them and he conquers them. We're going to sing a song right now called Joy to the World. We've sang it once, but I want to sing it and I want to mean it. Because the author of Joy to the World, he didn't write this just anticipating the first coming of Jesus. He wrote it anticipating the second coming because we sing because Jesus comes today to be with us in our garbage, to be with us in our junk, to help us conquer our junk, and to live again with him because he's coming back. And wherever you are tonight, that is good news, amen? That is what gives us joy to the world. Sing this with us. Joy, joy, joy to the world. Amen. We have joy. I don't know what you have in your life, but trade it. Trade your sorrows, trade your stuff, trade your stress, trade all the overs and take Jesus. Take him up on his offer. Take him on his offer that his yoke is easy and take that upon you and let him take all of your stuff this season. Make that trade. I want to invite you to Vintage Grace. We meet every Sunday to celebrate that good news. Sunday at 9 o'clock and 1045, except for this Sunday. Not this Sunday. Stay home with your families. Check online and get the family thing. If you're a guest with us this morning, evening, sorry, I'm used to being here in the morning. If you're a guest with us this evening, I invite you to fill out a connect card. We'd love to send you a letter because the invitation is not to Christmas Eve. The invitation is to be on a journey with us as a community because we stumble, we fail, we mess up, and we remember faithfully, but God is faithful. That's what the cross is about. It's what the manger is about. It's what our lives are about. And everybody said, amen. Go in peace. Enjoy the gift of Jesus this season. We'll see you guys next, next Sunday.